stumble last week. A way to refresh yourself and catch up on local news. When it runs, you can listen and connect at HumbleLastWeek.com. Check out Humble Last Week on Facebook for episode updates, local content, and giveaways. And it's rated PG-13? Yeah. Thanks for listening. Hey, thanks for listening. Nice to be back after a little break. My name is Miles Cochran. Episode 86 is thankfully brought to you in partnership with... Cafe Nooner in Eureka. Experience fresh, good food cooked to order at Cafe Nooner in Old Town and Cafe Nooner 2 in Henderson Center, Eureka, utilizing fresh local ingredients wherever possible. Locally owned and operated by Lorena and Joe Filgus since 2011. Check them out at cafenooner.com. And Bongo Boy Studio in McKinleyville, Bongo Boy is where many of Humboldt's finest musicians have come to record over the last 16 years. They also manufacture CDs and DVDs for artists, organizations, and filmmakers right here in Humboldt on the phone at 839-5090 or online at bongoboystudio.com. And Humboldt Clothing Company, when you want the best quality Humboldt gear and great customer service, your first choice should always be the original Humboldt Clothing Company. Still at Bayshore Mall in Eureka and 10th and H in Arcata. Also online, get free shipping on U.S. orders over 50 bucks at HumboldtClothing.com. So uh, the election happened while I was gone. Karen Paz Dominguez was elected auditor controller. Supervisor Virginia Bass was easily reelected. And so far, another race is too close to call. Incumbent Ryan Sunberg and hopeful Steve Madrone are under 40 votes apart. That's going to be weeks until we know the official winner. And here's a headline for you. Shocker. Currently tied politicians both declined to say nice things about each other. In the interest of wholesomeness, I asked both Sunberg and Madrone to say nice things about one another for the podcast. It's a tight race. Thought we could benefit from that, try and find some goodness in this head-to-head thing. Asked them to talk about what they liked about the other candidate, what they think they agree on. They both declined, both saying they were too busy. You know, for full disclosure, Sunberg said he needed to focus on regular work and Madrone had been taking care of a sick family member. I wanted to give you the wholesomeness, Humboldt. I tried. Don't fault me for not trying. Well, Cal Fire says PG&E lines caused a whole bunch of fires last year, including one in Blue Lake. People died in some of these fires. PG&E says they're heartbroken over the devastation, but they met overall standards. They believe unsound state laws can make them liable, even if they meet these standards. Good news for air travelers. Flights from Humboldt to L.A. are on. Get your concrete jungle on, my friends. The former jail officer accused of molesting kids. Three inmates also accused him of sexual assault. Loco had the story this complaint suggests in one incident. He made an inmate go down on him as he put a taser to his head. Those allegations have yet to be proven, and the former jail officer has pleaded not guilty to sex abuse. Preliminary hearings are set to begin on the 21st. Reggae musician called Sizzla was scheduled by the Mateel to perform so long as he wasn't hateful on stage. In the past, Sizzla has been burned for anti-gay lyrics. Kim Kemp had the story, and as has happened here in previous years, shows canceled after public outcry. Maybe you saw former local Sarah Bareilles was the follow-up to Kevin Spacey. She co-hosted the Tony Awards with Josh Groban. Looks like the two had some fun doing some parody songs for the Broadway showcase. Big winners from the night included Andrew Garfield, that Harry Potter play, and a musical called The Band's Visit. 
Oh, gosh, did you see that thing Loco put up about how Sarah Bareilles Skyped with a whole bunch of Eureka High School students, like, helping them get new gear for the music department there? Super amazing. Go, Sarah. I saw a Reddit post reminding me about this, how a serial killer back in 98 showed up at the sheriff's office in Eureka with a woman's cut-off boob in his pocket. Trucker and ex-Marine named Wayne Allen Ford confessed to killing at least four women Still on death row at San Quentin. Super gnarly. Maybe I should do a longer story about him sometime. HSU grad Alex Kappa is off to a good start in the NFL with Tampa Bay. Team writers say the head coach called him sharp and a brawler, and a fellow lineman said, quote, he's a smart football player in his playbook all the time. Every time I walk into the meeting room, he's been there for five or ten minutes, already going over the day's install and stuff like that. He's really into it. Alex impressing the pros over there. That's super great. Cops in Fortuna arrested a wanted guy after he barricaded himself in a garage for three hours. That was kind of scary seeing the updates. Guy was wanted for evading officers, threatening officers, grand theft, possession of a stolen vehicle as well. Good work getting him into custody. Ah, succulents, or as I like to call them, puffy green ground flowers. Poachers who are nabbing those things here, selling them in Asia, got almost four years in prison. As they say, don't steal the succulent unless you could do the sucky stint. Okay, nobody has ever said that. A bunch of potential retail cannabis shops are being looked at by the Eureka City Council this coming week. Two in Old Town, one potentially by Grocery Outlet, five potentially along the highway. Report says the council can pick zero to eight of these businesses to start the process to set up shop. Update on the Ferndale mom accused of trying to kill her daughter at the beach while performing an exorcism. According to Loco, she's pleaded no contest to attempted murder. We'll see if it's going to be first degree or second degree attempted murder. Next week, a judge is going to rule on whether she was sane at the time or not. Uh, Some asshole in Eureka killed a bunch of kittens. May the culprit receive the same fate. Uh, Mom from McKinleyville is still in confinement after being detained by immigration police in a detention center now for seven months. 33-year-old woman was brought here from El Salvador at the age of seven. In this release, an activist said she's not a criminal. She's a lovely human being who deserves better than this. Oh, and maybe you saw this. Coming up in November, Arcata voters are going to weigh in on whether or not to keep the McKinley statue in the middle of the plaza. An ongoing battle for a long time about whether he should stay or whether he should go. Many criticizing his policies and how they impacted Native Americans. So yeah, Loco confirmed it with the county. The initiative measure has been approved. We'll see how that goes. Hi, this is Humboldt last week, and I'm checking out this North Coast Journal article. News regarding last year's deadly stabbing of HSU student DJ Lawson at a house party in Arcata. We know the man who was accused of murder and saw charges dropped for lack of evidence is Kyle Zollner. And Kyle, possibly the only suspect still and apparently representing himself, filed a lawsuit against the city of Arcata saying the cops and city violated his civil rights. And I'm pretty sure this is after, you know, he filed a claim with Arcata, which was denied. And, you know, that opens a door to a lawsuit. And then here with me now to discuss this is North Coast Journal editor Thaddeus Greenson. Thanks for your time, Thad. Absolutely, Miles. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So, how does Kyle Zollner feel he was wronged by Arcata? Um, there he has 
So in the in the um, civil rights lawsuit, he he's uh, outlined a, a number of grievances or allegations against the city. You know, first and foremost, he's alleging that um, that the city um, didn't have probable cause to arrest him. Um, and city police officers, when they they picked him up at the scene, uh, didn't have sufficient probable cause to do that. And then, kind of more egregiously, he's alleging that they then falsified police reports um, after he was arrested and uh, before the the district attorney filed charges against him said that they kind of knowingly put false things in police reports in order for the district attorney to charge, uh, to file the murder charge against him. And you had talked to a law professor about that, didn't you? I did, yeah. Um, I had a, a law professor kind of look over his entire complaint, uh, both because he was representing himself to look at it for, um, you know, potential just kind of filing errors and and uh, things like that that might uh, pose a problem, and then also to really look at the substance of his uh, his allegations in the lawsuit. Yeah, you know, he had said uh, in order to prove this allegation, Zollner would have to show that the cops knew the statements were false and filed them anyway. Uh, that doesn't seem very likely. Yeah, so there's, I mean, for for good reason, there's a lot of protections um, against not just police officers, but all government employees um, that kind of protect against the, you know, the day-to-day um, mistakes or um, or negligence that might occur on the job. And so to, to find, uh, you know, an agency or an individual officer liable in a case like this, it, you really do have to show that they they disregarded the truth and, and knowingly tried to uh, to frame somebody. And, uh, you know, who knows what evidence uh, Mr. Zollner has, but that um, it's, it's a high threshold. Just because something wound up in a police report that turned out to be false um, doesn't, you know, doesn't give grounds for a lawsuit like this. Right. Well, another thing I noticed in your article here, it says that he alleges that the police failed to give him proper medical attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't he refuse medical attention? He did. So, and he's not really disputing that. Um, he, you know, the, the story goes that officers picked him up at the scene after he'd been involved in at least a couple um, physical altercations. He was left pretty, pretty battered and bloodied, and had a had a black eye and stuff like that. Um, and so he's conceding that the police officer who detained him at the scene um, asked if he needed to go to the hospital, and that he said no. Um, but what he's alleging in the lawsuit is that he was in such a state of shock and, you know, potentially concussed um, that he, the officer should have known that he wasn't capable of making that decision for himself. And the officer should have kind of overridden his wishes and taken them to the hospital anyway. Um, which they, they ended up doing, um, but it was a couple hours after they first detained him where he's, he's alleging that, you know, that couple hours of lag time caused pain and suffering when they should have just taken him immediately. Right. So like you're saying, you know, he's saying the cops lacked probable cause for the arrest. Cops failed to get him proper medical attention. Cops falsified reports. These are all his allegations. The last thing was that, you know, he's saying the cops defamed his character. He referenced some statements that were made um, where he believes they were implying his guilt and that race could have something to do with this case as Lawson is black and Zollner is white. Mm -hmm. Good job summing all of that up, Thaddeus. You know, after the pretrial hearing, Zollner had some things going for him. You know, no witnesses could put a knife in his hands. No witnesses saw the stabbing. You know, at the time of the pretrial hearings, no physical evidence was around against him, you know, like matching fingerprints or blood samples on the knife as of yet. Uh, but yeah, as we go along here, some people have indicated that there could be some strong physical evidence coming. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, so the um, the Arcata Police Department is, is clearly hoping that um, some some new analysis by the Department of Justice's uh, crime lab 
will yield some DNA analysis that really links, um, you know, links the only suspect they have at this point still, uh, Mr. Zollner, to to the crime. The way I understand it, which is, you know, a very layman's grip on, on the science, but is that um, there's a way when there's multiple people's DNA on an object to parse those out and kind of look at each of them individually. And so they're trying to do an analysis like that on a piece of evidence in the case that has, um, sounds like a kind of a muddied DNA because there's, there's multiple people's um, bodily fluids on it and then trying to determine if they can, can link one specific person to that. But um, it sounds like it's pretty new science and it sounds like there's not much of a timetable for when they're gonna get those results back. Well, I apologize for kind of like jumping ahead there because, you know, going back to this uh, lawsuit that Zollner has filed, uh, you know, he's apparently repping himself. There were some uh, notable errors and random exclamation points in this report. Um, This law professor you spoke with, did he think that could alter the impact of this lawsuit at all? No, he, I mean, he felt like the, um, more seriously than some of the kind of the, the, just, uh, I guess, eccentricities of his filing. Um, like you said, the, the exclamation points and some things that you just wouldn't find in a normal um, complaint filed by a lawyer. Um, there was some, some kind of errors in his understanding of the law um, that were evident in the filing. But the, the law professor I spoke to, uh, David Levine at UC Hastings, um, said that those, are all, those were all kind of minor and, and probably wouldn't lead to the case being thrown out. Um, you know, he was, he was more critical of kind of the underlying facts and, uh, and assumptions in the lawsuit. Yeah, how long does Arcata have to respond to this? Well, so interestingly, and, and again, because uh, Mr. Zollner is representing himself in the case, um, the city of Arcata, when I spoke to them, still had not been served with a copy of the lawsuit, which is really the, the step that then triggers their uh, required timetable to respond and stuff. Um, so um, it's kind of all waiting on, on him to officially serve the city uh, for that timetable to begin. So you had actually called Zollner's cell phone for comment on this, and you received a message back? Yeah, so I called um, in one of the, um, again, because he's representing himself, there's a space in one of the public filings where he had to kind of list his contact information. And so from that, I got his cell phone number and and called it and, left, you know, didn't get him, but left a message saying that, you know, I was working on the story. I wanted to talk to him about it. I wanted to talk to him about the, the lawsuit. And I can't say, I don't know if it was him, but um, a couple hours later, I got a voicemail back at my office um, it was just an unidentified male saying uh, never to call that number again, and that if I did, he would, quote, I think, get me for harassment. So, Get you for harassment. Did the voice sound like a man in his 20s? Um, I'm no voice expert, so <laughs> I, I wouldn't rule it out, but I, I can't say that it did. Right. Well, uh, you know, you've been covering this from the very beginning. It's a story getting attention outside of Humboldt as well. And, you know, for those outside of Humboldt looking in on this really tragic loss of life, you know, do you think Arcata has suffered a major change in perception? You know, I think that's that's hard to answer. Uh, certainly the case has brought a lot of existing feelings to the surface. I mean, I don't think the racial tensions in Arcata um, were, were new, but um, this has certainly given them um, a platform and a voice. Um, and, uh, and really, you know, I think... Um, in some ways, empowered um, some some minority communities to step forward and speak out about about things they've they've experienced here and um, and the way they feel living here. Um, so I think that that has changed the perception, at least from from the broader segment of the community. And 
you know, the turmoil in the Arcata Police Department and some of the criticism of its handling of this case doesn't look good from the outside looking in. Yeah, like you said, you know, we have the victim's mom at odds with the city over the investigation, a retired FBI agent at odds with the city, you know, a new interim police chief potentially, uh, you know, linked to this, and a local chapter of the NAACP saying students of color don't feel welcome at HSU. Uh, well, you know, we'll see what kind of an impact this has on Arcata long term, I guess. Yeah, I think it's it's too early to tell, but I certainly I would think it's fair to say the last year has been a very painful chapter for Arcata, and uh, I can't say there's really an end in sight. Uh, there's a lot of a lot of issues to, that remain to, na- to navigate, including, you know, not only Mr. Zollner's lawsuit, but the one that um, that David Lawson's mom has uh, has promised to file at this point. Right. Well, we'll definitely keep our eye on the journal to see updates. And, you know, sort of shifting gears from one really sad story to another. Um, Maybe you remember hearing about a man who died in a sobering cell at the jail in 2014. Uh, Darren Borges, I believe is his name. Am I pronouncing that correct, Dad? You are, yeah. He's a 42-year-old homeless schizophrenic artist, poet. Um, You know, said he was on meth and left in this sobering cell alone and was shortly after found dead. Now, according to your recent article that you put out in a settlement, the county has agreed to pay the man's family over three and a half million dollars and make various changes to jail policy. So, you know, as you've pieced this together, how would you summarize what happened that night, Thad? Um, So in August, a a federal jury, um, after a several week trial, um, found that the the correctional officers that booked Darren Borges had... uh, been the legal term is recklessly indifferent to his uh, his medical condition, and so that he came basically he came into the jail clearly in distress um, in the midst of a, a methamphetamine overdose, and um, what the lawsuit really showed is that jail staff kind of rushed him through the booking procedure. There's this uh, this kind of long procedure where jail staff is supposed to ask uh, a, an inmate or uh, somebody coming into the facility. Um, I think it's about 36 questions um, to determine their their mental and, and physical health um, before putting taking them into custody. And um, the correctional officers went through this process in a, a little over two and a half minutes. Um, they just really rushed through it. There's no indication that uh, that Mr. Borges was able to really answer their questions. Um, and then about an hour and 20 minutes later, he was found dead in a, in a sobering cell, as you said. So the, the jury found that the officers had been, like I said, you know, I think recklessly indifferent. Um, and then also that the county had failed to adequately train its, its correctional officers and uh, awarded uh, Mr. Borges' family $2.5 million at the time. Um, and the county had uh, kind of indicated that it was going to appeal and that it was going to challenge the verdicts and apparently just kind of immediately went into to settlement discussions. Um, and so the three and a half million figure that they arrived on is um, two and a half million to, to Mr. Borges's family and then a million, about a million dollars in attorney fees. I was going to say, you know, it kind of caught me by surprise because the last update that I had seen on this made it look like the county was going to resist paying the settlement. And then, boom, you know, journal article, they're paying it. Yeah, so part of that is that it wasn't the county that hired the attorneys, it's an insurance carrier. But in um, a couple months after the verdict, um, the, they basically changed out their attorney staff. Um, they decided they wanted somebody else to represent them. And what it sounds like from talking to the plaintiff's attorneys anyway is that when this new, this new cr- group came in defending the county, they took a hard look at the case and kind of thought it's, it's time to cut our losses. Um, this is a losing proposition and we should just 
pay out for what we can and, and move on. You know, I'd seen a, a letter to the editor on Redheaded Black Belt, I believe, um, you know, from those close to this talking in defense of the actions of jail staff. Did you happen to see any of that? I did see this. Is this the, um, I think it was the wife of one of the correctional officers involved? That's it? right. Yeah. 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 What did you think about that? Um, I guess I would just say that personally, I, I think it's one thing to, certainly for a loved one to defend, you know, the actions of somebody that they love and, um, and kind of stick up for them in a public forum. Um, the, the real issue I had with that letter is um, I felt like it took some, some shots at Borges' family that I felt like were really inappropriate and, and just really in poor taste. It's definitely, um, you know, it's a touchy subject and it's going to impact people um, in all directions and in many ways. So mm -hmm. absolutely. And I guess I would just add, I mean, I think a lot of um, people have just in the comments that I've seen online and stuff, I think a lot of people have a knee jerk reaction to this case, um, you know, in part because the, the, the county is being found liable for, you know, a death that was really an overdose. Um, and so a lot of people are saying, you know, where's the personal responsibility, um, for, for this, uh, 42 year old who ended up taking a lethal dose of methamphetamine. Um, and I guess I would just say to counteract that is, uh, it's really hard to make a judgment on this case unless you've really taken a, a good look at all the facts. And, um, um, and I would just say, you know, as a reporter, having watched the, the entire video of, uh, of Mr. Borges' last hours from the time that Eureka police picked him up to the time that he stopped moving in a sobering cell um, gave me just a much different picture than, than I had going in. So. Could not have been easy to watch. No, it was, it was pretty horrible. What changes are being made at the jail over this? Um, so, by the, I guess by the time that the settlement was reached, a, a whole bunch of changes had already been made in the jail's um, booking procedures. Um, so now, um, for instance, say they have a, uh, a licensed nurse um, evaluate every inmate who comes into the facility. Um, so they, they've really taken that, um, that discretion out of correctional officers' hands and said just we need to have every, everybody medically cleared before they're, they're admitted into the facility. Um, so I think that's the biggest change. And then certainly um, the settlement agreement outlines a number of ongoing training um, kind of requirements for uh, for correctional officers to make sure they're they're more trained in um, in medical issues and ready to recognize things like methamphetamine toxicity um, when they see it. Right. Well, as you had said, you know, there's going to be a much larger journal article coming out about this. So I'll keep an eye out for it. Yeah, next week's journal will have uh, hopefully a lot more, uh, a lot more detail, and a lot more information about, uh, you know, about the uh, settlement and and what it means. Awesome! Thank you so much again, Thad. Yeah, anytime, Al. Thanks. Thanks again to North Coast Journal editor Thaddeus Greenson. Also, thank you to the sponsors of this episode, Humboldt Clothing Company, two locations, one in Eureka, one in Arcata. Find them at HumboldtClothing.com. Cafe Nooner with a couple locations in Eureka. They're online at CafeNooner.com. And Bongo Boy Studio in McKinleyville. Record that masterpiece. They're online at BongoBoyStudio.com. Thanks for checking this episode out. My name is Miles Cochran. I have journalism and radio experience. Created Humboldt Last Week for fun because I love this place. You can head over to HumboldtLastWeek.com to listen and connect. Also discover new music. Right now there you can check out songs from St. Vincent, Bel Air, and Airways.
Again, new stuff from St. Vincent, Bel Air, and Airways. Full songs and Spotify playlist at HumboldtLastWeek.com. Just click on new music. Uh, please contact me if you have any thoughts about what you heard or what you want to hear. And I look forward to talking to you again next week. Bye. Humboldt Last Week.